Welcome to the weekly podcast of Upper Room Christian Fellowship in Lincoln, Nebraska. Thank you for listening. So what we're going to do is um, we'll depart from Romans this morning, kind of a little special Thanksgiving uh, message. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Acts chapter 16. And let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time. We just pray that we would have a heart of thanksgiving throughout the year. Bless our time together, Lord. We pray for those that are unable to make it. Just pray your blessing be upon them. Those that are traveling today, give them travel mercies. Help them to arrive home safely. And we just pray again that your blessing be upon our time, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Acts chapter 16. Paul's off on his second missionary journey. He's taken Silas with him. Stops by Lystra, picks up Timothy. Then on his way, he can't decide where to go. Why? Because everywhere he goes, the Holy Spirit speaks to him and says, don't go there. So he's kind of channeled to go west. And he hits Troas. And when he's in Troas, he has a vision. A vision of a man in Macedonia. Now, I don't know if he had a sign up saying, Macedonia, come here. I don't know if he had a t-shirt that said, Macedonia, hi. I don't know. All I know is that Paul had a vision and a man in Macedonia said, come over here. Now, why that's really important to you and me is because Macedonia was Europe. And this was the spread of the gospel in Europe. And for most of us, we can be very thankful for that because it spread throughout the Western civilization and behold, America. But again, the Lord was leading Paul into Macedonia. Now, on the way, there's a pronoun that changes. This is we. So now they pick up Luke. So that's four of them. So you have Paul, Silas, you have Luke, and you have Timothy. And they get to Philippi. Philippi was the foremost city in that area. But see, the thing is, on that Sabbath, they couldn't go to a synagogue. Why? Because there was no synagogue. Now, why that's really interesting is two reasons. One is it takes ten men to make a synagogue. Ten men that are leaders of the household. There wasn't ten men to make a synagogue. So what they did was they went to the river. And at the river were women praying. And this is where Lydia comes to faith. She was the seller of purple. Purple was a very expensive dye. So she was a woman of means. But she comes in the Lord. And she encourages Paul and her, his party to stay with them. And that's where we're going to pick it up. In verse 16, chapter 16, it says, Now it happened as they went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us, who brought her master's much profit by fortune telling. Now, again, you see something here. You're beginning to see, here's Paul in God's will. He went to Europe, and now all of a sudden, he's having opposition. 
the first thing he's out in opposition with is spiritual. Verse 17, this girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High, God who proclaimed to us the way of salvation. Now, it's true, they're right, but here's the thing. First of all, she's possessed by a demon. Second of all, this is what the enemy will do. And we even see it in our day and age. She should, she could have been, she's, the word, she's basically crying out. Some say shrieking. She could have been shrieking sarcastically. Oh, here comes Paul. Da, 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 da. Belittling the gospel. Or she could have been saying it in par with the gospel, saying, yeah, okay, this is one of many messages. I know about it. So again, you see where Christianity is either or. It's either mocked or it's like, yeah, it's just one of the others. It's just like everything else. It's your choice. It's a free choice. Now look at verse 18. You've got to love Paul. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her that very hour. Now, I don't think it's like an hour later. It's just when it was at that moment. Came out. Now, wouldn't that be cool? I mean, somebody's annoying you and they're possessed by a demon that you could turn around and just say, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of them. Now, the problem with that is, as many of you would be going around saying that to everyone. Maybe even sometimes you're... Children, no, 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 <laughs> no, no. But again, you kind of get the flavor here that Paul, again, annoyed. Why? Because do not, he does not need the testimony of a demon. So he casts them out. Look at verse 19. So you have opposition spiritually. Now look at this. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. Opposition of the world. Now, what's interesting is they pull out Paul and Silas. Why that's interesting is that they basically will say, and they brought them to verse 20, to the magistrates and said, these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city. It's anti-Semitism. It's just Paul and Silas. Where's Timothy and where's Luke? Luke was a Gentile. Timothy had a father that was a Gentile and he had a mother that was Jew. So he probably didn't look very Jewish either. So they took Paul and Silas. Nothing new here, gang. It's been as days of old. In verse 21, And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or to observe. <clears throat> then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. Ouch! Opposition of the world, but also being wrongly accused and treated unfairly. And, verse 23, when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. So here they are, wrongly accused, not treated fairly, Thrown in the darkest part of the prison. Why? Because again, they said, make sure that this guy, these guys don't escape. To a jailer or any guard, if any prisoner escaped, then what was their punishment was now unleashed on the guard or the jailer. So what he did was he put them in stocks. Now these stocks were, were caused to 
were made to cause pain, not just to hold somebody. What it would do is they would have these different slot holes in it. If we figure the wood, you've seen that enough times. And what they would do is they would spread the legs as far apart as they could. And many say it was both the legs and the hands. Just like you see nowadays, you know, the, those old movies that you'll see that the guys in the stocks like this. Well, it was kind of like this with the feet out. So always there's a pressure on all the joints, the ligaments, and everything else. Probably getting cramps on the muscles. Painful, very painful. Put in the darkest part of the prison. Not very exciting. So you see now the opposition of circumstances. They could have been thinking, why are we here? We're doing exactly what God called us to do. Why all this opposition? Why isn't it just going smoothly? Look at verse 25. But at midnight, but at midnight, the darkest part of the night, if you will, this could have been the opposition of self. They could have been wrapped up and absorbed with them own darkened self-pity. Why me? Why does all this stuff have to happen to me? I'm trying to be the best I can. I'm trying to be obedient. I'm trying to follow the Lord. Why all this opposition? Why all this struggle? Why me? Why me? That's what they could have done. Silas could have looked at Paul and said, What was I thinking? Why did I come with you? I could have been back in Jerusalem. But no. In the darkest hour, in the darkest part of this journey at this, up to this time, look what happens. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Does that sound like you? Is that what you do? When everything seems to be going wrong, do you just start praying and singing hymns? Is that what I do? Man, what was the prayer? Could I suggest something to you? Could have been along the lines of, Lord, we know you've called us here. We know that we're in your will. We know that you're going to do something. And if not... That's okay too. Because we trust you, Lord. Man. And then it just naturally went into just singing psalms and hymns. Praise. God, you are so good. Even in the midst of my pain. Even in the midst of my situation. Even though everybody's against me. Even though I'm being wrongly accused. Even though I'm being treated unmercifully. Treated unmercifully. Everything against me, I know something. If God is for me, then who cares who's against me? Can we say that? We should say that. I know it's a struggle. It's a struggle for all of us. It's amazing to me because we find ourselves in a country where people are complaining about this country. And some things do need to be changed. It's not a perfect country. But as John F. Kennedy once said, he said, but there's none better. There's none better. That's why our borders are being bombarded by people wanting to get across. Why? Because there's a hope here. 
There's a hope for prosperity. There's a hope for freedom. There's hope. Just in that, saying that we should be thankful to just where we are. It could be a lot worse, couldn't it? And thanksgiving and worship of praise. In Psalm 42, 8, it says, The Lord will command His loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night His song shall be with me, a prayer to the God of my life. You found that to be true? In the darkest night, the darkest part of your life, He's still there. I know we wish that the sun would be broken out, and the birds would be singing, and everything would go well. But that's not always the case. But something does happen when we give thanks to God. Something does happen when we worship Him. And I'm going to look at five things quickly. The first thing I want you to take note of is when we worship, when we're thankful, when we give praise, it lifts our eyes from ourselves, our circumstances, the world, the trouble we find ourselves, and it puts it right in the place that it should be, on God. In Psalm 121, it says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. See, with me and with you, the possibilities are very slim. But with God, there is no restraining for the possibilities that God can do in your life, in my life. It's trusting Him again with our lives. That's hard for us. Because the negative side of being in this country is that it's always about activity. It's about doing. It's about succeeding. It's about being happy. And if you will, that's kind of a, a misnomer in our world, or our world view here in America. And that is pursuit of happiness. Is that really our call? It really is the pursuit of God. It should be for each of us. But see, when we lift our eyes in praise and worship, it takes our eyes off ourselves and upon the Him who, who really does deserve all praise and honor and glory. See, it also, if you will, number two, it sees God for who He is. Again, finishing off <clears throat> the next verse in that Psalm of 121, He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. And Psalm 100 says, I make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All you lands, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving. Enter His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. For the Lord is God. Good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. So we lift up our eyes, it takes our eyes off self, it puts it on God, and we begin to see God for who He is. And then it also brings us to thank Him for what He has done. See, it's always important first to think about what He has done. 
We always go jump to the next step. Oh God, what are you going to do? No, it's thank Him for what He's already done. And Psalm 107 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Just that one thing, we can all just praise Him and give Him glory because He's redeemed us. He's bought us at a price. We're not worth it. As the old saying goes, we're not worth a plum nickel. Don't ask me what a plum nickel is. It's beyond my time. In that same psalm, it goes on, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. For He satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Notice it goes straight to the spiritual part of us. Really, if you will, the true self and the new nature that we are. We let everything else really plug that so it blinds us. See, God is at work in each of our lives. And the things He's already done for us should be a cause for thanksgiving, for just saving us, of giving a hope for a future. But also, when we worship and give Him praise, what we do then is we thank Him for what He will do. Because see, God's always at work, just as that psalm said. He is always at work. He never stops working. In Psalm 92, the psalmist says this, It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. For you, Lord, have made me glad through your work. I will triumph in the works of your hands. I will triumph. I will overcome this. And then last that I'll bring up to you is it puts our hearts right before God. In Psalm 16, it says, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me to my night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me because He is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in this hope. See, the hard part for us is that we don't realize that God's trying to give us a new perspective. God's trying to give us heavenly eyes. Not to see our circumstances, not to see the darkness, not to see ourselves. To understand that He's overcome the world and because of the glory and the victory in the cross, He's overcome Satan. Victory is ours. And how that victory is displayed is His prerogative. But His will is being fulfilled and His purpose will be complete. It will be accomplished. So it's, again, thanking God ahead of what He's going to do. Oh, maybe it's not exactly the way you wanted it to happen, but it's always what is best for you and for our hearts. And to see our eyes clear, to see Him, that He is good and He is always good. 
Now, notice that also we're going to find something. When you give praise in the darkest night, here they are in the circumstances they find themselves. Now, notice something. Look at verse 26. And suddenly there was an earthquake, so the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. Now, you might be thinking, was there singing that bad that it caused an earthquake? No, I doubt that. Because it's God. See, when we put ourselves in the right position before God, it gives God, really, if you will, the freedom to work. To work in our lives. To work out the circumstances. It reminds me of of Jonah, if you will. Let Let me read to you Jonah real quick. In the second verse, he finds himself in the belly of the fish. What a stinky circumstance that would be. Prayed to the Lord, his God, from the fish's belly and said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And he answered me out of the belly of Sheol. I cried and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. And all the floods surrounded me. All your bellows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The waters surround me, even to my soul. The deep enclosed me. Does this sound just like where Paul's at, right? Weeds were wrapped around my head. He's in this belly of this fish. He's got seaweed over around, wrapped around his head. The smell of the fish itself. I went down to the mornings into the deep mountains of the earth, meaning deep down in the ocean the well went down, or the fish, with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you. Into your holy temple, those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice to you in the voice of thanksgiving. In the midst of this smelly fish, I will give you thanksgiving. In the midst of this smelly circumstance that I find myself, even though it was his own fault, I still will look up to the temple, which is a symbol of your presence. I lift my eyes up, off myself, off my circumstances, Now, you would think, well, what happened after he started thanking God? What happened to his praise? Well, just very simply this. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out in dry land. Lord, I'm praising you. So what's the answer to the prayer? Right onto the shore. Seaweed wrapped around his head. If you will, the acid juices probably eating into his pigmentation. He was probably quite the sight because it probably basically dissolved part of his hair or all of it. Why did he find himself in that circumstance? Again, because of disobedience. But still, when he started lifting his eyes off from himself, God answered. Maybe that's what you feel right now. You feel, yep, I feel that. I feel like I'm being vomited out all the time. The question again, what do we do in our darkness? What do we do in our disobedience? What do we do 
when we're not following Him correctly. Because again, we find the world too much for us. Our self encloses us in a prison and shackles. Do you ever feel that way? To find out the prison guard isn't really anybody other than ourselves. We keep ourselves in the stocks. Why? It's because we fail to lift up our eyes and give thanksgiving to Him. Praise where it belongs. In spite of ourselves. See, too many times we don't give praise because we don't feel like it. Trust me, if we went by feelings, Paul and Silas and Jonah didn't feel like it. But see, the reality of who God is should surpass any feelings because He is faithful all the time. But again, notice that in verse 27, and the keeper of the prison Awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called out with a loud voice saying, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. See, when we're given praise, when we're worshiping God, it affects others. Here we have Paul and Silas weren't the only ones in the prison. In fact, they were probably the only ones in the stocks. The other prisoners probably looked at these guys and go, they probably deserved it. Too bad. They might even thought, they're Jews anyway, who cares? But then when Paul and Silas began to worship God, when they weren't sitting there complaining and whining like everybody else was, when they were singing psalms and hymns, They were silent. They were listening. And then when the earth quaked, notice they didn't bolt for the exit. They must have been highly sensitive and aware that God moved. Our worship affects others. See, when we're not complaining, when we're not whining, When we're not being part of the world, because see, if you haven't learned this, let me give you a clue. We all have it. We love to complain. Just look at Israel's history. And sometimes we nitpick over the silliest things to complain about. Do you notice the water is not as cold as usual? Probably because they still haven't replaced this thing and it needs to be replaced. Have you tasted the coffee lately? We just find things to complain about. What does that do? Again, it puts our eyes on ourselves rather than on God who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings and His tender care throughout our days and lives on this earth. Yeah, see, praise affects others. But notice something else. Verse 29. Then the, the jailer called for a light, ran in and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. 
Now, maybe this is a stretch, but still, you'll see the symbolism here. It's true. So, I think we can take this leap. See, praise and worship and thanksgiving, uh, not only, again, does it, like we said, that God moves, affects others, but it brings a light into our darkness. You with me? It brings a light into our darkness. And then look at verse 30. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in the house. See, it also fulfills God's will. That's why they were in prison. My stretching? How do you know, preacher? Well, who was saved so far? Lydia. That's all we know. Maybe some other women at the river. But there they are walking through Philippi. They have this crazy, demon-possessed girl shouting out. People were probably going, what is this? What's this? This is weird. Stay away from them. But was it there in the jail? The first converts that were men? It doesn't say anything about the other prisoners. But we know it affected them because they didn't go running out. Even in the worst, darkest circumstances, God is at work. We're going to learn this in Romans, you know. All things work together for good. Even in the midst of our circumstances. Even in the midst of our opposition. Even in the midst of spiritual warfare. It's been said that if you're having spiritual warfare, you must be doing something right. Wherever you find yourself, whatever circumstances... Can you give God praise, thanksgiving? Not just because we just celebrated Thanksgiving, but really throughout the year. This coming year. It's interesting that God gives us days, weeks, months, and years. Why? Because it's always, if you will, rewind. Renew. Do it over. New day. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This day. And then tomorrow, say it again. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And then go forward in worship and thanksgiving and praise. And I know that's a battle. I'd be human too. But it's a reminder that those gnarly feelings and desires, those things that pull us down, even others in their words. Even these things, we are more than conquerors. Through Him. To give praise, always. To give thanks, always. Would you stand with me?
Psalm 138. I will praise you with my whole heart before the gods I will sing praises to you. I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name, your character, your attributes, for your loving kindness and your truth, for you have magnified your word above all your name. Everything written in here, he guarantees. By just what we just read this morning, he guarantees. He has lifted up his word Above His name, His character, meaning what I have said will come to pass. Not one jot, not one tittle. Everything will come to pass. And the day when I cried out, You answered me and made me bold with strength, my soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise You, O Lord, when they hear the words of Your mouth. Yes, they will sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Though the Lord is on high, Yet he regards the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. And we find he never does. Father, our prayer this morning is that we too would understand the newness of life for each of us. Help each of us also regard our circumstances and our situations. A place for movement of your spirit that will affect us and it will affect others. That your will will be fulfilled. Let us be men and women that lift our eyes unto you, Lord. When we find ourselves in the pit, when we find ourselves in the belly of the fish, when we find ourselves in a dark prison, when we find that it's us that have put us ourselves there. Lord, our prayer is this morning that you would help us to lift our eyes to you. We know that your word says that you help those that are bowed down and you lift the eyes of those who are hurting. Lord, we just pray that as we talked about these things this morning, let them echo in our hearts and minds throughout this day, that we would be men and women that would give you thanks and praise throughout the day. Lord, we thank you for this time together. And we thank you also for who you are, for your goodness, your grace, your faithfulness, your loving kindness, your new life that you have given to each of us, the adoption that you call us by name. And we can cry out, Abba, Father, that we do have access. There's no, it doesn't matter how far we've run. It doesn't matter how dark the pit. All we have to do is cry to you and you are there. And this, Lord, We are thankful and for so many other things. Bless the hearing of your word, Lord. Help each of us apply it. For your glory, for the glory of your name and your purposes being fulfilled. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 